He disappeared for a second. Oh, can you hear me? For some reason, it's saying I have poor network quality, even though I'm right next to the uh, right next to the router. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Well, this is going great so far. <laughs> Two best um friends. Oh wait, keep your shirt on. It's just a typo. Stop. You are freaking ridiculous. Who think they know football? The Chiefs or the Colt or wow, the Chargers. There we go. Stop thinking, just read. Bring you unprecedented access to the NFL world. Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and maybe starting over Russell Wilson. I spent $25 to get you Kobe Brissett. Because here, it's real football by real fans. Like a disturbance in the force as a Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> suddenly cried out and was silent. The 2M Football Show starts now. And welcome into another episode of the 2M Football Show. Mike and, Mac, Mike and Matt back at it. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah, not the first time I've done that. Mike and Mac. That's definitely happened <laughs> Yes. Um, back at it with another divisional breakdown episode. Uh, we're kind of in the middle, or I guess towards the end of preseason week two. So, But we're just going to skip all the news for now in the interest of knocking out another division. Because as I panic texted you this morning, Matt, I realized we're way behind schedule <laughs> with these previews. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we started at the same time we always do. Either that, the season's just coming up a lot quicker this year. We did, we did start, and I, you know, I do this every summer. I, I make the schedule of our, our, like our recording schedule, so that we get all the previews done. We have time for our, our, our time for our um, predictions show and everything. Uh, but somehow, all of a sudden, we have six divisions still to do, and like two weeks till the season starts. <laughs> what happened? Um, so, but don't worry, don't worry, um, dear listener, we have a plan. <laughs> oh, I thought I, you were telling me not to worry. <laughs> well, I already reassured you. I already told you the plan. I think you're on board. Yes? No? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh great. And we'll explain what's coming next, um, at the end. But first, let's talk about the AFC North. Woo! Uh, the winner of the division was the Bengals last season with a 12 and four record. They had a great passing offense, 265 yards a game, which was fifth most in the league. Uh, rushing offense was at the other end of the spectrum, only 95 a game, which was uh, third worst, fourth worst. And, uh, but uh, despite that, they scored plenty of points, 26.1, which was top 10. Uh, they had a very middle of the road defense. In terms of yards allowed, but they they managed to hold opposing offenses to just 20 points per game, which was sixth best. Uh, but it wasn't all rosy for this team or for it did Joe not Burrow. Start out well at all. I was so frustrated. I was going to say, or, or for Joe Burrow fantasy owners, they were a surprising 0-2 through two weeks of the season, with Joe Burrow having more turnovers than touchdowns by a five to three margin. But uh, they turned things around quickly and started to look like the Super Bowl contender we we expected them to be after just barely losing the big game uh, the prior season. Going into the bye, they were five and four, but then they ripped off seven straight wins to close out the regular season, including big victories over Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, at that point, Burrow was three and zero in his career against uh, Mahomes. 
and also over Tom Brady's Buccaneers. Uh, in the playoffs, they ended up playing the Ravens in back-to-back games, the regular season finale, and then again in the wild card. And despite Lamar Jackson being injured for the game, it was 17-17 late. Uh, I think it was the third or maybe even the fourth quarter until Tyler Huntley's quarterback sneak attempted from the two-yard line was stuffed. The ball came out, and the Bengals returned it all the way down the entire length of the field for what would end up being the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Then in the divisional round, they traveled to Buffalo, a game we discussed a bit last week in our Bills preview where uh, Burrow and the offense really took care of business, and the defense, more surprisingly, really smothered Josh Allen and his and his offense for a comfortable 27-10 win in the end. And then for the second straight year, the Bengals played in the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead Stadium against the Chiefs. And this has quickly become one of the best rivalries in the league. Two young quarterbacks at the height of their powers, leading dynamic offenses, and both of which are complemented by solid uh, defenses on the other side. And like I just mentioned, Burrow was 3-0 and against Mahomes' Chiefs coming into the game. But every single one of those games was just a three-point victory that was determined on the final possession of the game. And uh, this contest was no different. It was uh, tight the entire time. The Bengals' offense got off to a slower start than usual here. Um, some of their well, old like, was going to matter because you know then it became a good game. Right. It was only a matter of time. But some of their old playoff ghosts did come back to haunt them with just four sacks or four sacks allowed of Burrow in just the first half. And it was 13 to 6 at that time going into the break. Uh, however, on their first drive of the second half, Burrow tied the game with a great throw to T. Higgins, beautifully placed between two defenders for a touchdown. Um, but early in the fourth quarter, down a touchdown at that point. The Zach Taylor head coach made the gutsy call to go for it on a fourth and six. And, and Burrow and Jamar Chase, who was once again on the case, <laughs> delivered. Again, that fell in that category of this is either going to be genius or stupid. Yeah. And I mean, it, it worked in this case. Right. Right. And I mean, as it often does between um, Burrow and Jamar Chase, he just threw it up to him in double coverage. <laughs> he, he rose above the defenders, pulled the ball down for the crucial fourth down conversion. <laughs> uh, this game went into overtime after an unlucky interception right for Joe Burrow. Uh, or sorry, it seemed headed for overtime. It was 20 to 20. Chiefs driving uh, at that point, but almost out of time until a late hit penalty called on rookie rookie Bengals linebacker Joseph Osai uh, set up Harrison Butker for the game-winning field goal. To I really, really feel him. like Cincinnati fans were going to like sacrifice that poor kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feel bad for him. Also, just a boneheaded play, especially with Mahomes being, uh, you know, banged up. You just He's going to get that call 100 out of 100 times. It's really- I get he's a rookie, but, like, you got to be situationally aware, and that was not the move for that moment. Well, at least he didn't assault the Chiefs medical staff. That would be... <laughs> this is true. Could always be worse. But, uh, yeah, his... I mean, you can't, you can't pin a loss on any one play, really, but at that moment, that cost them because it moved... 15-yard penalty put them in easy range for uh, Harrison Butker and that's how their season ended. But despite it ending in that difficult way, they backed up their Super Bowl appearance from a year before and really look like they've cemented their place as a yearly contender in the AFC now. So this off season, they 
some significant losses, I would say. Both of their starting safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell, departed in free agency, as well as their tight end Hayden Hurst and also Samaj P. Ryan, their backup running back, um, who, but who played significantly. He, he wasn't just a backup. They mixed him in plenty to, to give Joe Mixon a break and stuff. But he's gone, too. So they lost all those players. Um, brought in Orlando Brown, left tackle from the Chiefs. Nick Ironically. Scott. Yeah, right. I <laughs> wonder how, if that feels weird for him. So it's almost even worse than going to a division rival because these teams are both really good. And I don't know. They brought in Nick Scott at safety and Irv Smith, the tight end. And then in the draft, they used their first round pick, 28th overall on Miles Murphy, edge rusher out of Clemson, and uh, 60th overall in the second round on DJ Turner, corner cornerback from Michigan. Seems like shoring up the defense, which was one of their, uh, they were middle of the road, and they definitely could give the uh, the offensive boost if they find the right pieces. So hopefully this kind of elevates the defense a little bit more up to the level of the offense. Mm-hmm. These moves, and then I like that they're still shoring up the offensive line, which a couple of years ago was a massive problem. But it's gotten way better. It has gotten better. He went from getting sacked to wasn't it nine times in that one Titans game to just uh, four in the Chiefs. So they <laughs> cut it in half. Uh, yes, this is a team that might have the best wide receiver group in the entire NFL. With Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are, are both, you know, wide receiver ones. Essentially, it's a 1A, 1B situation. They're both studs. And Tyler Boyd is one of the best slot guys in the in the league as well. So very good receiving core. Uh, I would have to say a weakness, though, is running back depth. Like I mentioned, Green, P. Ryan played a lot. Um, and, you know, more than you might think. And he's gone. There's no one established now behind him. It's Mixon and uh, basically a bunch of rookies or unproven guys. So I could see that being an issue. Um, in terms of questions, we've, we think Joe Burrow's calf is fine, or at least going to be fine for week one. But, you know, he suffered that strained calf early in training camp. He's not, they've already ruled out any chance of him playing in the preseason. So there's no clear return timeline, but we're just um, – or Fingers they, crossed. I, fingers crossed for week one, yep. Um, and yeah, despite those offensive line improvements last year, they were bottom half of the league in terms of sacks allowed, but they have attempted to address it some more with uh, bringing Orlando Brown on the um, to protect Burrow's blind side at the left tackle position there. So can that make a big impact to, to help even further reduce the amount of sacks and hits that Burrow's taking? On the defensive side of the ball, they've got um, Trey Hendrickson has been great. With uh, 22 sacks combined in his two years with the team after they brought him in from uh, New Orleans in free agency. Weaknesses, or maybe it's more of a question, but really not sure about this secondary. Uh, Like I mentioned, both of their starting safeties from last year are out the door. And they had been they had been uh, playing together as a duo for a while now. So they'll turn things over to Nick Scott, who they brought in from the Rams, I mentioned, and then Dax Hill, who was their first-round pick last year. So they're really kind of banking on a free agent acquisition and a guy coming in in just his second year in the league to make an impact on this defense, or at least fill the shoes of the guys who were there before. And it's going to make it interesting if, you know, if this is what their game plan is, which it seems like that's the plan. 
Yep. So overall for this team, assuming Burrow is healthy, I think we just have to assume that at this point. Uh, I don't see any reason this offense won't be great again, especially with that addition of an elite left tackle in Orlando Brown. Um, kind of a year of transition on defense with, yeah, we've talked about a bunch of new faces there, uh, some highly drafted rookies as well. So some question marks there, but that's the thing about rookies is a lot of upside. Overall, I'd give this roster a B plus, I think. I have it sitting as an A minus. I feel like they're still shoring up the offensive line. Orlando Brown is a great acquisition. They're doing a lot to address the defense. The only question is, does it come together on paper? It looks like it should work. I know that they lost a pair of veteran safeties with some, you know, questionable replacements, but they got an edge rusher out of Clemson and they're, they're, they're trying to shore it up so that it can be, you know, at least elevated a little bit more than what it was last year. So I'm going to put this roster at an A minus. Fair enough. <clears throat> Let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens who were second place in the division last year with a 10 and seven record. Great rushing offense with 160 um, yards on the ground per game, which was number two in the league. Uh, the rest of the metrics, not great. Defense was good against the run and didn't allow very many points, but the secondary really struggled. And, um, yeah, so coming into last season, an offseason of failed negotiations between the front office and their superstar QB, Lamar Jackson, extension talks were put on hold, and Lamar came back to play out what was the final year of his contract. Uh, things were looking pretty good for the team. They through about three quarters of the season. They were eight and four. They had impressive wins over the Bengals and Buccaneers. Um, but their latest victory, which had been over the Denver Broncos, came with a price. Lamar Jackson had left that game early with a knee injury. Um, reports indicated it wasn't serious at the time, but he ended up that ended up being it for him. He didn't play again all season. And without Lamar, the team averages 12 points per game with Tyler Huntley as the starter. And, uh, yeah, they were 8-4 at that time. They kind of limped through the end of the season to a 10-7 and record. Did get that wild card game we just mentioned against the division rival Bengals. And actually came dangerously close to pulling the upset there. But it, it just wasn't meant to be. However, the good news for Ravens fans everywhere is that they did finally reach a long-term extension this offseason with Lamar Jackson. They have him locked up now for five years, $260 million. So for the first time... Almost like uh, similar to Green Bay for the first time in a few years. They don't have to question uh, what's, who their quarterback is going to be. And it's just been so weird because Baltimore has played this game for quite a while. Very dangerous it's game. Like they, like, <laughs> they don't want to pay any quarterback that they have any type of long-term contract. So it becomes this yearly or semi-yearly like, oh, what's going to happen at the quarterback position again? Like, is it going to be, are they going to lose this person? But finally, they think, I think they made the smart move. Now they just got to keep him upright and healthy and avoid a lot of the hits he's taken. Right, which has been an issue. Um, maybe I have more on that in a minute, but I, I he's definitely missed. Oh, yeah, never mind. I've got this stat a little bit later. Um, what's new this season will be a, uh, offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. He, has a lot of NFL experience coaching with the Jags, uh, Bucks, and Browns. Most recently, he's been the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the Georgia Bulldogs. Been part of two national championship teams there. And but but overall, long story short, is he's expected to open up this offense a lot more for Lamar and, and have him throwing more uh, than in previous years. 
In free agency, they lost a couple of big players. Ben Powers, their guard, went to Denver. Calais Campbell, longtime defensive end for them, went to Atlanta. And then Marcus Peters at corner uh, to Vegas. They brought in Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver, and Rock Yasin from uh, cornerback from the Raiders. Most awesome. recently. It's great. Yeah, I think he was the first round pick by the Colts a while ago. Um, the fact that this is his third team tells you how good of a pick that ended up being. But <laughs> maybe here it'll work. <laughs> In the draft, they used the 22nd overall pick on Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. Uh, and then they didn't pick again until the third round when they took Trenton Simpson, linebacker out of Clemson. And in terms of the roster on offense, obviously everything starts with Lamar Jackson. We've all seen over the years what he can do uh, with his legs. It's always been a, an issue of, uh, to me at least, it's always been an issue of the talent around him on that offense, especially in terms of his pass. Yes. No and, wide receiver depth. Right. And I would say maybe for the first time in his career, he has a very solid, he has a good group of pass catchers. Mark Andrews, we know about. He's this team's Travis Kelsey. Uh, Rashad Bateman is a young receiver who has struggled with some injuries in his first couple of years. But when he was healthy, he looked pretty good last year as basically the number one. Uh, but now that they bring in Odell, whatever he's got left in the tank. And then their first round rookie, Zay Flowers. Even got a little depth behind those guys with Nelson Aguilar, who's, you know, an established NFL player. And then Devin Duvernay, who was like their That's what you go with an established NFL player. Well, here's what I'll say. This is where you want Devin Duvernay as like your fifth or sixth wide receiver, not your number two like last year. So it illustrates the improvement. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll give you that. (laughs) Just the fact that I even know that guy, that name is just embarrassing for them. <laughs> They've also got a good good group of running backs on this roster too. J.K. Dobbins back healthy, Gus Edwards still doing his thing, and they brought in Melvin Gordon as well. So very solid uh, running backs. And I think the biggest question, yes, okay, we were just talking about Lamar's health. He's missed five games each of the past two seasons with injury, and the team has been terrible without him. So that's a question mark. Uh, the other one is more of a positive question mark and it's what what will this version of the offense look like under their new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin uh well I feel like this all leads into what happens at the outcome of the season if they don't make it to the postseason does this start to put fire in Harbaugh's chair because at this point if they can't do it with this team what 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 more do they need or what more can they possibly do yeah, because I, I think they've done a lot. I feel like uh, this is a roster that should be in a good position now. And things were going okay last year, even with no receivers. They were 8-4 and four, <laughs> until Lamar got hurt. So they should be. They're probably expecting to build on that and be even better. On defense, I would say the linebacking core is a – is a uh, strength. They traded for Roquan Smith from the Bears in the uh, at the deadline last uh, last season, and that guy's just amazing. He helped elevate this group to a whole new level. Uh, now he gets to play alongside the PFF hated Patrick Queen. <laughs> and, oh, uh, this will always be a running joke. The very last, the worst graded out 
linebacker per pro football focus like three years in a row and i'm just like how every time i see him see a ravens game which admittedly isn't that often i feel like this guy's always making plays anyway they are they also have uh tyus bowser who's a good player with an even better name and uh, yeah. even more topical with uh i mean that's what's important that's part of your pff grading is you know <laughs> is your name cool that's got to be at least like a tiebreaker when you're looking at two guys with the same grade <laughs> Go with the guy who's named after a fire-breathing turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, most of the secondary. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, most of the secondary is pretty good, too, with Marlon Humphrey is one of the best slot corners in the game. And then Marcus Williams is a good safety. My main question for this unit, because uh, you see in the numbers that the secondary, the pass defense was bad last year. Um, and they lost better? Marcus Will it get better? Yeah, I mean, and and one com- big component of that could be their last year's first round draft pick, Kyle Hamilton, who was uh, brought along kind of slowly as a rookie, uh, but now he's expected to be a full time starter at the safety position. Um, so yeah, how will that go, and how could that impact the pass defense as a whole? And yeah, will it get better? So overall, for the Ravens, after years of not living Lamar any weapons they the front office finally surrounded him with some pass catching talent to really take off take his passing to the next level uh, and combine that with what's usually a very solid defense and i think this team is poised to be a, a contender in the division i had them graded actually at a minus which uh, was higher than i had the bengals what do you think about that no. <laughs> no i would put them at a solid b i feel like they've got the pieces that they need to put it all together but the only question I would have is, can Lamar stay healthy? Because uh-huh. clearly, as we've stated, that the offense does not function without him. Part of that goes hand in hand with, if this is going to be a more pass-heavy as opposed to a run-heavy team, what do the numbers end up being in terms of the more you throw the ball, the more likely interceptions happen, turnovers are a little bit more prevalent, and can you actually force Lamar to throw more? as opposed to his natural instinct to run. Can all of their running backs stay healthy? You know, yeah, that's been, been a, an issue. In the past few years, it seems like the Ravens burn through running backs faster than any other team. And what does the new I, offensive coordinator make the team look like? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of moving pieces on this team this year, and that leads me to believe that it's going to take a little bit to come together. They may end strong, but I think it's going to take a little bit for this team to start to gel again. So I'm going to put them at a B. Okay. That's a fair point. You're right. I'm very uh, taking the very optimistic view that everything would just gel right away, um, but that's usually not how it happens. I'll, I mean, it may take only a couple of weeks, but that's the thing. It may take two weeks. It could take four weeks. Right. Remember a couple of years ago, the Chiefs were at the bottom of their division and everyone panicked and then they turn around and they won. Right. And we could be saying the same thing next offseason. Like now they're in year two of Todd Munkin and everyone finally gets it. <laughs> Just don't know. All right. I'll go down to a B plus. I'm excited, though. Uh, the third place division in this team last year was the Pittsburgh Steelers with a nine and eight record. Uh, despite Still like a winning record. I was going to say, yeah, despite so much going wrong, uh, Mike Tomlin maintains his record. Is it? I forget how many seasons in a row it is above 500, but it's amazing. I don't think he's ever had a losing season. <clears throat> Maybe that's it. Maybe he never has. Yeah. God, that guy's so good. 
Uh, such a class act, too. <laughs> that was despite having the 23rd ranked offense with just two, uh, 322 total yards per game. The 26th most points per game, just 18. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, pretty solid defense. It feels like forever ago, but do you remember who this team's week one starting quarterback was last year? Oh, boy, do I. It was our boy, <laughs> Mitch Stravitsky. Our old friend from Chicago. That's right. Former the redemption arc had started and then it died just as quick. <laughs> the former number two overall pick. Is that right? Played. Uh, yeah, he started just three games. Well, he ended up starting more later because Kenny Pickett got hurt. But I'm getting ahead of myself. After three games of Mitch Trubisky, Mike Tomlin had seen enough and made the switch uh, to their their rookie first-round pick, Kenny Pickett. And things were predictably difficult at first, but Pickett did show steady improvement throughout the season. And the team actually won seven of their final nine games to end the year on a high note. And it was actually a really strong group of Rookie players, uh, George Pickens and also Jalen Warren, who I think was an undrafted rookie free agent. Uh, They were both very good on this offense, uh, paired with a solid as usual defense. And it was a pretty good start for Kenny Pickett and a decently smooth transition. In the offseason, they traded for Allen Robinson from the Rams after one just complete disaster of a season uh, in L.A., all it cost them was a late round pick swap and covering most of Robinson's salary. So I guess, you know, very low risk, potentially high reward if Alan's, if Robinson is even like a fraction of the player he was in Chicago a couple of years ago. Um, not falling into that trap of drafting him in fantasy again, though. Are you sure? Yeah, you can't make me. In free agency, uh, the only real native, notable uh, departure was Cameron Sutton, a cornerback who was corner who was, uh, yeah, I think a draft pick by them a, f- a few years ago. Just played out his rookie contract, and now he's in Detroit. They brought in a new offensive guard, Isaac Swimalo, uh, and Cole Holcomb, linebacker, Patrick Peterson, corner, and then Keanu Neal at safety all joined the <clears throat> joined the Steelers. Then in the draft, they had the 14th overall pick. They took Broderick Jones, offensive tackle out of Georgia. And then Joey Porter Jr., corner out of Penn State, with the uh, 32nd overall pick. That's always a fun... um, I mean, we're seeing a lot of juniors of players we actually remember come into the league. But this one, Joey Porter Jr., actually playing for the same team that his dad did, which is pretty great. Do you think that that was intentional? Uh, yes, I think that's the only reason they took him. <laughs> he probably <Okay>. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So, yeah, getting into this roster on offense, uh, like I mentioned, George Pickens, that receiver, showed flashes of real brilliance. He can make some really great catches. Um, and he's a nice compliment to Deontay Johnson, who's kind of more of the uh, possession receiver, you might say. And together, it's a really solid pair of wide receivers. They've got Pat Fryermuth at tight end, who catches a lot of passes, too, uh, along with the RBs. Both Jalen Warren, who I mentioned, and the Najee Harris, who was their first-round pick a few years ago. Both those guys can catch passes out of the backfield. Um, I guess the weakness last year, <clears throat> but I put it in questions for this offense, is, is the O-line. It's been an issue, but they really did try to address it with their first-round pick of Roderick Jones and then free agency bringing in that guard. Um, 
So the question is, will it be enough because the, uh, will it be enough because the numbers show you too, that they really couldn't run the ball last year. And it does not help a young quarterback when he's getting mobbed by the <laughs> defensive line on every play. So uh, it's very important for them to get the offensive line figured out. And uh, that pretty much goes hand in hand with um, how will Kenny Pickett progress from year one to year two? It's his first time coming in as the starter all, all off season. And um, yeah, I think uh, he was the latest first round quarterback draft. He was, it was 21 overall or something like that um, last year, but I think he's, ready for it he kind of proved that i guess last year so i see what kind of really well given the fact that this offense was just couldn't find an identity Mm -hmm. season started rough it ended on a much higher note which gives you hope for the season but year two is kind of the defining moment right like he's got experience under his belt he's not coming into this unknown to everything and I feel like the coaching staff around him is great. I mean, the fact that Tomlin's not ever had a losing season despite everything. Yeah. Like, it gives credence that the, the culture of this team is is a good fit. And I don't see why they can't make another run at it again. I mean, I don't think they'll have a losing season, so maybe it ends 9-8. and eight. But mm-hmm. I think we're just looking for development patterns and pickings. Is his decision-making better? And what will the offense's identity become? Because I didn't feel like they had an identity left. Yeah, it feels like they want to run the ball, but they couldn't. And then so they were forced to do things they didn't want to do. Yeah, it was like that weird like middle of the season. Like, well, they didn't run it at all this game. They threw it. Why aren't they running it? It's like, well, we want to run it, but it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Bring that then- back. No, I'm don't what'd you say bring ben back oh (laughs) bring back cordell stewart no okay maybe let's move on on defense uh the defensive line is a big strength here cameron hayward still a one-man wrecking crew up front and then of course you have tj watt as a superstar edge rusher uh, and then you've got Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the best safeties in the game uh, on the back end. He just makes a ton of big plays for this defense. So there are a handful of, of legitimate studs on this group. But a question mark I have is basically the rest of the secondary. <laughs> they lose Kramer and Sutton, like I mentioned, who had been here for four years. They brought in some veteran players like Patrick Peterson, who I believe was with Minnesota most recently. Uh, but, you know, he's pretty old at this point and not the player he used to be back in Arizona. Keanu Neal as well, who was a safety, who was highly drafted, but kind of bounced around the league a bit. And this pass defense was, you know, despite having Fitzpatrick, this was a pass defense. That was a real liability for them last year. So they're hoping, I guess, bringing in some of these veteran guys will help solidify it and tie things down. And, and the addition in the draft of Joey Porter Jr., who... Uh, you know, first pick of the second round will probably start right away off uh, uh, opposite Patrick Peterson. Right. I don't know. This is a tough one because uh, I kind of, I forgot how good of a run they ended the season on. And then looking at the roster, it's like, there's a lot of good players here. I, I think if, if Pickett does build on what was a solid rookie season, keep progressing, uh, that this team could be a sneaky 
contender in the division as well. Uh, good defense, usually. They're hoping for secondary improvement as well as a better offensive line to help um, pick it in the run game. But kind of like, um, and as I'm like, you, you helped me realize this real time. I, you don't want to bank on all those things to go well right away. So I put them at a B minus. <laughs> I mean, B minus is solid. I feel like they've done some to address a couple of issues, but it all comes down to what is Pickens doing year two? Mm-hmm. How, how has he progressed just a little bit more to elevate this team? But more importantly, can they find an identity early enough to establish what they are? I feel like last year we could give them the benefit that they were figuring it all out, but I'm hoping that they have it sort of figured out this year. Right. If they do, yeah, I don't see why they couldn't give the division a run for its money. Yep, totally agreed. This is one where I'm, I'm looking through every team, and I'm like, oh, man, these these guys, like, it's no, it's no slam dunk for the Bengals to win it a third time in a row. I feel pretty confident in them, but yeah, it's uh, if these teams on paper are as good as they look, then yeah, it could it should be a really good battle. And the final team competing in that battle will be the Cleveland Browns, who are seven oh, and ten. Oh, okay, hold on there. <laughs> seven and ten, last place in the division. Um, good running game as usual behind Nick Chubb, but they struggled to move the ball much through the air. Uh, pretty good pass defense. The secondary was solid, but they gave up the uh, – they were bottom 10 in terms of uh, rushing defense. It was kind of a transition year. They spent the first 11 games with uh, Jacoby Brissett at the helm, just kind of treading water uh, while they waited for the return of Deshaun Watson, who they si- they traded for from Houston, signed to a huge extension, knowing this was coming, and, and it, it came. He was suspended by the league uh, after 23 different civil court cases of alleged sexual misconduct uh, by the former Texans QB. But uh, Brissett, I think you have to say he performed pretty well. Uh, the record doesn't Given show all it. the circumstances, you couldn't have asked for more because the, the team wasn't invested in him. Right. He knew he was so the You're basically being paid as a placeholder, which I'm sure doesn't feel great. Yeah. I mean, Baker just said no to that. Uh, rightfully so. But, uh, yeah, they were 4-7 and seven when Watson came back, so the, the record, I feel, doesn't do Jacoby justice because I think he performed pretty well. Yeah, so 4-7 and seven when Watson returned and the team went on a 3-3 three and three stretch to close out the season. So didn't get, you know, remarkably better, but um, basically just a lost year uh, while they waited for Watson to come back and then get him acclimated to their offense. They made a lot of moves this offseason, though, to really try to get things going in the right direction for 2023. They traded for Elijah Moore, wide receiver from the Jets. He was a second-round pick of theirs a couple years ago. Uh, and then they also brought in pass rusher Zadarius Smith. They traded for him from the Vikings. A couple notable outgoings in free agency. Kareem Hunt, who remains unsigned. He could potentially come back, I guess. He was always a big part of this running game. Nice one-two punch with Nick Chubb. And then uh, the aforementioned Jacoby Brissett, now in Washington. Greedy Williams, corner, is with the Eagles now. And then Jadevian Clowney. Oh, I forgot to mention this in the Ravens segment. They signed Clowney. There you go. <laughs> Ravens segment in the Browns. There we go. 
Never they, saw that coming. <laughs> they acquired uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle from the Vikings. Juan Thornhill, a safety from the Chiefs. Here we go. I'm going to try to pronounce this name. <laughs> I was going to omit it just because I it was intimidated, but they signed him to a like very substantial three-year contract. Obanaya Okoronkwo. That's not too bad. Thanks. Uh, and then Jordan Aikens, tight end, also from Houston. And then in the draft from the Watson trade, they didn't have a first or second round pick, but they spent their third round pick, 74th overall, on Cedric Tillman, wide receiver out of Tennessee. So looking at the offensive strengths, of course, um, this is a team that runs through Nick Chubb. He's one of the best in the league. And uh, if they don't re-sign Kareem Hunt or bring in anyone else notable, he could get a chance to really shine this year. And he's running behind one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL as well. Those are, so those are the strengths. I, I don't know how to grade this receiving core because uh, they've got Amari Cooper, who's pretty solid, not the dominant number one, but he's good. And then a bunch of question marks outside of him. <laughs> so I didn't want to call it a weakness exactly because Cooper is good. They've got a lot of guys that are like, okay, they're hoping Elijah Moore is good. They've they're got just banking uh, on, I think they feels like they're banking on Watson, making everyone better. Yeah. Yeah. And David and Joe, who is a good pass catching tight end, but yeah, you mentioned Watson there. It's a good transition to the question. And that's basically, is he still good? It's been almost two full calendar years since we last saw him play with the Texans when he was, you know, really good and when he was probably considered a top five QB in the league. We just haven't seen him play because there was the holdout season with Houston, eventually traded and then suspended most of last year. So we just haven't seen much from him. Um, And given it had been all that long since he played football in a live, you know, game action, you can't take too much from his six starts for the Browns last year. Um, that being said, he didn't look great, but they, they're banking on him, uh, kind of shaking off that rust and a, you know, marginally strengthened receiver room. I think, uh, the defense has some strengths. The secondary overall is really good. They've got some high draft picks, um, that are actually paying off. Unlike some other teams who just draft a defensive player in the first round every year and then he still sucks. <laughs> And uh, it helps that they've got Miles Garrett, one of the most disruptive pass rushers in the NFL. But the kind of the rest of the front seven outside of Garrett was a big liability last year, evidenced by the amount of rushing yards they gave up. Which goes into my question. They brought in a lot of free agents on D-line and linebacker. Um, so, you know, will that be enough to shore up that leaky run defense? I mean... Given the acquisitions and the places that they acquired those people, on paper, yes, it should make it at least a certain percentage better. I feel like having a an offense that's more in key two is going to help. You know, the the two sides go hand in hand. Yeah, defense is on the field all the time; they're just exhausted. Yep. So you can run right through them without much opposition. At the same time their run defense just never was good. So the fact that they spent some time to kind of shore up that side of it, I would hope so. I at least look for a marginal improvement, you know, go from bottom to, to, you know, move five, six spots up from was the 25th overall in the run 
mm-hmm. to like maybe get to around 15th. At least I like say you've done average, some good yeah. because that still gives you room to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's another team that like they've recognized and attempted to address weaknesses from last year. And uh, if they do hit on both of those things and Watson returns to his Texans form and the defense gets better, this is another team that could make some noise in this division. But, um, but yeah, that's no certainty. I've got them at a B minus because they, they do have some legitimate strengths and uh, having a great offensive line and run game is a good first step for your team. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can go along with that rating. I feel like that's right about where they're at because we still have, there's too many unknowns with this team, right? And it all centers around what does Deshaun Watson do? Mm-hmm. And did these acquisitions on defense work? We don't know. The season hasn't started yet. <laughs> That's why they play the games, right? <laughs> so if they get Watson back, I think he can elevate some of the receivers around mm-hmm. him. So that's really what could make this team a contender. But if they can't get that run defense organized, it's going to be very questionable if they can hold any type of lead they could gain within the division. Because at the end of the day, defense wins championships. Indeed, it does. This is going to be another uh, arguably more interesting division than it's been the last several years. You know, now that the Bengals are relevant again, the Ravens are usually good. The Steelers never completely go away. And even the Browns, if they can uh, overcome those things and just their innate brownsiness. (laughs) That's a word. We're professionals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it should be another fun one to watch. And that'll do it for the AFC North. Um, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> week for the podcast. Uh, let me let me just lay out the, the plan. Oh, God, here we go. Listeners and for all this to help. Make sure we're on the same page. Oh, yeah, well, it already did. That's why we're recording on a Sunday. <laughs> all right, so we got uh, five divisions left. And the schedule had us finishing the last one um, this week. So... You know, on on Wednesday, we're going to blitz through three divisions. Uh, So that'll be an interesting show. We're going to have a running clock the entire time to make sure that doesn't turn into a six-hour podcast. (laughs) And uh, we'll round it out next weekend with the NFC North. will be our final one. That's the way we always do it. And that's going to be only a two only only a two division show. Well, so only we have plenty of time to discuss Jordan Love, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll get back into our regular groove of our uh, preseason predictions and everything. Can you believe our our draft, our fantasy draft, in which you do have the number one pick, Matt? Is only ah, two stop. <laughs> two weeks from today. Do you know who you're picking? I do. Want to share? No. <laughs> That's fair enough. I'll keep doing my mock drafts then. Because otherwise everything, I would have had everything figured out, but that's okay. I mean, anyway, that's Matt, part of the game. Thank you, Matt, for taking some time on a Sunday away from your grocery ordering. Don't even get me started. <laughs> we will be back thank you, with Mike, you. Mike, for taking time away from your family. Because that's like really more important. Oh. You're welcome. There, there were no tears this entire time. <laughs> Everyone's doing good out there. 
So if you want to keep going, just kidding. <laughs> we will be back with you soon with uh, lots more divisional breakdowns. Care everybody. Thank you for listening to the 2M Football Podcast with Matt and Mike. Don't forget to follow us at our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.